Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. A huge hand to the mother of the house, Belinda. Thank you. Thank you. I've got my mic. How are we all this morning? Are you good? Can I just please honour all the mums in the house? I don't even know where to start because there's a lot of things that you guys do that we are not even aware of, but the love, the nurture, you guys are just beautiful and we want to thank you, hey? Who here was born naturally? Put your hand up. Yeah? Who here was born caesarean? Yeah? That was me. Who here was born with complications? Anyone? Yeah, all a miracle. You know, what I've realised is that conception is a miracle. But also, you guys being in the house this morning, a house full of people, when there's so many distractions and things competing for our time and attention, you guys being here in the house is an absolute miracle. And um, I want to thank everyone who has been praying for Josh and I to have kids. You're faithfulness and your loyalty has meant the world. But, and it pleases God too. But more than that, I'm actually praying now for grandbabies because I want to see not just you guys in the house, but I want to see your children and your children's children in the house of God. And in order for that to happen, in order for spiritual legacy we need to weed and water. I don't know. I think we were 24 years of age when we moved back to Murray Bridge. And I remember distinctly looking out my bedroom window. And my dream was to see a garden of Eden. All different trees, all different shapes and sizes. And I would look out and that was my dream. And I would have all the scriptures to back them up. They shall be planted like cedars in Lebanon. They shall flourish like a palm tree. I love oaks of righteousness. And um, so I had all these trees that I wanted to buy. And then Josh, when he would read the Bible, he would like trees like the fig tree and the olive tree. Josh likes what's edible. I like what's beautiful. It's the way we go together. But <laughs> in everyone's heart is to have a little piece of heaven here on earth. It's a longing. It's a cry of our heart to see a little bit of perfection here on earth. At the time, our house, we went about it and um, we removed... At, at the time, our house was on an acre with gravel going all the way around our house with basically mowed down weeds. We had dandelions, we had uh, mustard weed, onion weed, three-corner jacks, we had the lot, and we would just mow them down, blur the eyes and go, claim it green. And so we got to work and we removed all the gravel from my backyard and planted lawn and garden beds. And a few weeks later, I had my dad over and I said to dad, what is wrong with these plants? And he just looked at them and he said, 
Belinda, have you awarded them? I'm like, no. Have you weeded them? I'm like, oh, man. You know, without any criticism, he just, like, walks off. I'm like, oh, man. Parents are so profound. They really know things about life, the hard stuff. So, and I, I, I just, I, I didn't really like that. Josh took care of the back garden for a bit, but strange things happen because my happy place at the moment is outside, fresh air, digging and weeding. I've got this little tool and I just love weeding. I talk with God, I think, I pray, I water the ground with my tears sometimes and my happy place is actually weeding. And see this little scoop thing? I've learned that you can just drag it along and they all come up. This is really, this is a really good part and when I go in and I pluck them out, the sound of them popping, ooh, it sounds like it sounds like I'm cracking the devil's neck. I, I love it. It's addictive to the point that when we went to Melbourne a few weeks ago, I was driving in the car back and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait till I see how many weeds are coming up. Because my dad back then, he said, Belinda, I just walk around the garden just waiting for weeds to come up. And I'm just like, are you insane? I didn't get him, but I get him now. I thought he didn't have... I thought he had too much time on his hands, but I actually love outdoors and weeding. So whether you're married, single, kids, no kids, God has given us ground to toil, seed to sow, in word and deed, with grace and truth, to weed and water. So who is in your sphere of influence? Who has been gifted to you in your workplace, in your school? Now, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm not a biological mum. I've had many crash test dummies. I've had the speed dating form of parenting where the girls have come and gone and... At the moment, I've got my beautiful Michaela and Sarah, and I've got two fur babies, Charlie and Lola, and, and you know, they're beautiful. They fill my heart. But you know what? I've learnt that the human heart goes rogue, and we need both weeding and watering. We need both love and discipline. We need boundaries. We need rules. We need consequences. We need that God-slapping revelation of truth. We need to be pruned. But we also need someone to position us, to, to, <laughs> to, to water in goodness and grace, to believe in us, to set us up to, to, to thrive. We need someone to, to, to pray and tend to our roots. All weeding and no watering leads to a dry, barren place of wasteland, hardness. All watering and no weeding leads to chaos, unwanted, toxic weeds that crop up. And there has, with kids, harsh discipline and no love leads to hardness of heart, disillusionment not thriving. And 
all, all watering and, uh, sorry, all love and no boundaries leads to entitlement, leads to selfishness and uh, pride. There has been times where I've been light on with the watering and my girls haven't flourished. And there's been times where I haven't addressed issues and there's been a little root of bitterness that has grown in my heart. A bit like Nehemiah, we need to do both. Nehemiah, when he built the walls of Jerusalem, he had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And this is what us mums are positioned for, to build in the values, build in love for the house, build in love for God, build confidence, but also to defend where the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy. We are, to, we are positioned here on earth, but we can also render the heavens and operate in both spheres. We are not perfect, but we have a gardener who is. He knows the right word in the right season. He sends the sun to shine, the rain. He brings warmth. He knows what we need to flourish. We need love and discipline to weed and water, to nurture and maintain. Here's a scripture, and man, it's brutal. Proverbs 19:18 Discipline your children for in that there is hope do not be a willing party to their death. <laughs> he doesn't hold back. Hebrews 12:11 No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. So my point 1 I've got two points. Point 1 is weed. <laughs> What are the weeds? You know, when I was little, I picked a bunch of flowers and I gave it to my mum. And she said, that's onion weed. I just thought they would look pretty. And sometimes we can see what we can think is confidence in our boy, but really it's a pride and we can let some comments slip. Or there can be some unforgiveness that can crop up in someone's heart and we can go, oh, that's justifiable, that they were, they were wronged by. But little roots develop into their personalities and develops anger and resentment and contempt. What are the weeds? We need to recognise the weeds in our life and in our kids' lives. Jesus tells the story of the parable of weeds. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servant of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. 
and, lay, and gather the wheat into my barn. There are some things in Scripture that I just don't get. Get the weeds out, I say. I want the, the baddies locked up, the school bullies expelled. Why would a loving God say, leave the weeds? I want them out. So what? sometimes we can't just brush over scriptures that we don't get. We have to say, how does a loving God, how is he even better than what I even imagined him to be? And so I say explain, but so did the disciples. They said, explain to us the parable. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear. God has always got eternity in mind. You know, there came a day when I looked out of my bedroom window and I'm just, I just released it all to God. I'm like, I don't live for this world. I live for the next world. You've, you've got the bigger picture. And as soon as I surrendered my heart's desire, well, well, actually, now there's a pool in our front yard, but it came with going, I don't live for this world. And God has eternity in mind. So let's keep the big picture. God allows us to hear the chaos so that we can know what love is. God allows us to see hopelessness so that we know what peace is. He doesn't hold any good thing. He cares about the roots, the unseen, that which lies under the surface. God told it, uh, sorry, Jesus told another parable about four different types of soil. Again, the, far, the farmer sowed seed. Any farmers that have been seeding this week? Yep, stay awake, guys. You guys are legends. I love bread, so thank you. But the farmer has been sowing seed, and some falls on rocky ground, the shallow ground. Some falls on the path, and the, the birds come and gobble it up. And then some seed is sown and the weeds come and choke it out. But then some seed is, falls on good soil. And that is what flourishes. And that represents those that, that they can hear, but it doesn't go, the roots don't go deep in their heart. Or those that as, can be excited, but it doesn't change their ways or those that care too much about what their world and their friends think. And you know what? The fact that you're here, your seed has fallen on good soil. And so even if you don't have a mum or a grandmother praying for you, 
I'm praying for you because this is good seed in this, in this house. This is good soil. And this is what we want. We want spiritual legacy. We want your roots to go down. He came across that. He had the Pharisees and the Sadducees with shallow religiosity. He had the ones that were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, but left the path of Calvary. He had his own brothers that cared too much about what their friends thought of him. He understands, but he does care about your roots. He does care about tending to them. Those who let their roots go deep into the soil survive. And you have an ability to decide where and how you will sow your life. Every human heart and every relationship is designed to be like the Garden of Eden. Life was never meant to be full of futile promises of heartbreak, the desert places of pain and, and tears. So weeds causes pain. You know, when Charlie was a little puppy, I would take him out in the yard and I'd teach him the word come and I'd be like, come on, Charlie, come on, come on. And we'd do it for hours and he'd run. And there was this one time that he was just so strained and he was like trying to do what I was asking him. And after an hour, he came and he had a three-cornered jack in his paw. Yep, mum fail time. And then there was another, uh, probably several years ago, Josh went to the Middle East, to the Promised Land, and he was exploring the sites. He, he's very adventuresome. He loves to eat and drink, and sometimes he'd walk for 48 kilometres in a day, and this one particular day, he was swimming in the Red Sea, and I wake up. It was a Monday morning to the text. Stepped on a sea urchin. Thought I was going to die now going back to the hotel room to go to sleep. And I'm like, yep, sure, that's fine, that's good. Went to work, and then, and then I just started to think, and I'm like, I just see urchins poisonous. I'm the nurse. I'm usually telling him when he needs to see a doctor or not, and he doesn't go, even when he's half dead. He thinks he's fine. I'm the one that tells him if he's fine or not, and so I'm texting and I'm texting, no response, and I freak out. I grab Tomo, one of the doctors, and I'm like, ah, sea urchins, poisonous or not? And he's like, yes, I'm ah. I'm like, oh. And so then, Mark, do you remember this? I text out all the staff, and I'm like, please pray for Josh. He stepped on a sea urchin, outcome unknown. Lucky for us, well, God graced for us, there at the Red Sea were paramedics at the shore watching the World Cup soccer. Bulls up to the shore, shows them, and they're like, no, it's not poisonous, that's all right. But instead of removing the spikes, which they could have done, they wanted to watch the soccer. <laughs> so they just said, you just... Walk on the hot ground, stomp, push them in, they'll break off, and then the 40-degree bitumen will sear your foot, and you'll be fine. 
So Josh then is stomping on the hot ground, breaking them off the most excruciating pain he's ever experienced in his life. And he survived, (laughs) which is good. But what we do with our pain matters. We can limp through life. We can internalise it. I feel bad. I am bad. I have held many youth, my girls and many youth in this town that internalise their pain and think the world would be better off without them. I've held them before and after enduring suicide attempts. And it is the most painful experience, I think, when you are watching your child go through pain and they don't ask for help. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. But how is God when he sees that? Hey, you on the other side of the world there, I can see that you're in pain. I know what you're carrying. Can I help? Our God is a God of love. He does, he did not, he does not like to see us in pain. So what does he do? Because he loves much, he hates much. And he hates sin and that which interferes with his love. So in order to fix it, he sends his son, who not only feels pain, but he became sin on our behalf. With the crown of thorns, it wasn't just pain he felt, it became his identity. Our sin became his. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And I'll just see if this works. I've got I've got lots of hair. <laughs> I think that should be okay. And so yeah, I'll I'll still try and get use this. And and Jesus himself, he he became the the thorn in the side of all the religious leaders, that his fame and his, his fame just kept on spreading like a noxious weed and they didn't know what to do with him, so they just wanted to get rid of him. So what did they do? They scorned, they rejected, they trampled on him and they, yeah, I think I need that one. And like all good weeds, he was thrown in the fiery furnace to never be seen or heard of again. Jesus became our thorn. Jesus became our weakness, our sin. The, the thing that, like a tumbleweed, just keeps getting passed from generation to the generation, the things that, that we, we struggle with. What is your failures? What is, what is it? What is your thorn in your side? It could be 
your pride or selfishness. It could be an addiction or mental health. It could be envy. What is the thorn in your side? He dealt with it. And I learned so much in the way that Jesus conducted himself here on earth when he was here on earth. He wasn't just God up in heaven. He came and he would stoop low. There were times when he would grab dirt, mix it with spit and saliva and slap it in some guy's eyes so that the blind man would see, performing a miracle. Where's the COVID plan? (laughs) I don't understand God. He's such a boy. But then, but then also doodling in the dirt when, when that woman was caught in adultery. His mission was simple and that was to redeem, to, to get down low, to see the people that were hurting, that were broken, that needed redemption. And these are no small things. I... I love that he said, and this is my prayer as well, God, weed out any pharisaical way in me. God, where I am blind, help me see. This is my actual prayer over myself. Because Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If we humble ourselves to to reveal, uh, is it uh, revere? Yes, to humble, to bow In order to weed, we need to change our posture. We need to bend over. And this is where transformation takes place. I've got a little um, patch out near my laundry. And over the last year, there's just been heaven-sent Santa Ana that has been cropping up. And it used to be dirt and I've just been weeding and watering And now there's such beautiful transformation that is taking place. And it just delights me no end. And God is happy because I'm happy, right? And I tell Sarah, I'm like, this represents your life. It's slow, but transformation is taking place. But we need to not only weed, we need to water. And when I was weeding, so my point two, water. When I was weeding the other day, um, God said, Belinda, you can, you can speak in the natural or you can operate in the supernatural. What I want you to do is to pray scripture prayers over your girls. And so now I go to him and I'm like, what's the key word? And I seek the Lord for scripture. I seek them for pray, and I pray over the girls. And this is how we are to water in the supernatural, to water in hope. Because the word of God, it discerns the soul and spirit, joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is what waters is the word of God and encouragement and love. And they, and they love it. I do. I love my girls. 
God no, holds no good thing from us and he's given me beautiful girls and I'm proud of them and I love them. But then there are times when they are so headstrong and I'm like, just if you just step here and do this and you won't get hurt and just do what I say and why you no listen? Ah... And uh, like so many youth in our town that think that the world would be better off without them, I call them my headstrong, broken wing, bulletproof butterflies. (laughs) And uh, sometimes I go about my day and I forget to even pray. And what do you call that? Independence. The, the, the one thing that I'm annoyed about, their independence, and I, I'm fine, I'm going about my day, she's right, she's got this, I'll, I'll be able to do that, I'll be able to rescue them, I'll be able to, you know, I'll be fine. And I've got my big booty pants on, big mama pants, and then God does these things like he, he stops the car, he turns the wheel, he stops suicide attempts, he diverges to traffic, and I'm like, What? Your God, you see and you love and you care. God, I had no idea. Thank you. Your God, I'm not. Sometimes I get shocked about that. I really do. There was a woman in the Bible called Hagar. And she was a slave girl to Abraham and Sarah who couldn't have kids. So Sarah devises this beautiful plan, independence, sows the seed of independence, the same seed that was in the Garden of Eden, to do her own thing. And so Abraham produces, Hagar produces an heir for, for them. But time after time, she wasn't watered with gratefulness or love or encouragement. No. She was scorned and despised and rejected and she would flee and she fled once. God sent her back and said, no, you're pregnant, go back. The second time she was actually sent, she was rejected. Abraham sent her out and um, so she's found in the desert where she has her water but it's dry. She's drunk at all, no water left in her skin. And she takes her boy Ishmael and lays him in under a bush to die. She didn't want to hear it, so she walks away. And then we read, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God came to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation." Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And all through the Old Testament, time and time again, God makes a stream in the desert. He makes rivers in the wastelands. He makes springs and he provides a well where there is no way. All throughout Scripture... 
open the heavens, pour out your spirit, pour down your rain. It washes over. There's something that God does with water. Isaiah 51.3, for the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. And Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you in, uh, satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. It's not about our worthiness. It's, a, it's about his provision. He's a God of love and he sees, he knows and he cares. I love this picture if we can have it up so much because remember her? She's still there inside you waiting, let's go get her. It is a representation of what we actually have spiritually. Before the pain, before the heartbreak, before the pressures and the anxieties choke life. There was a little girl with childlike faith. And I love little kids because they are so honest. They say exactly what they think. They are curious. They ask questions. And they don't hold back. They know what they want. It's my birthday. I want. What do you have for me? You think there's a God? You're going to love me? Yeah! I'll have love. Oh! In your presence is fullness of joy. Yes! I want joy. You mean I can have it today and tomorrow? I want peace. Yes! My birthday every day. Give me more. I want joy. I want love. I want peace. Yeah! You mean you're with me? You mean you, you created this ground so that I can skip and play and dance over it? Yeah! Watch me. You want to play hide and seek? If I'm up in the mountains, you are over there. If I'm in, down in the valleys, you are there. Watch, you're everywhere. They have a childlike faith. They know who's good and they know where to run to. And they will just run to the one that holds their hand. They don't hold back. And yet sometimes we hold back from holding our creator's hand. But I love you, but I created you like that. I created you with your weaknesses. What? I've got a hurt. You can fix it. Yes. And more than that, he's given us authorities to trample on serpents and scorpions and not be harmed. What? I can take your hand and do that too. Yeah, let's go stomp on them things. Like they will just be there because God is there and God didn't hold back with his love on the cross. He didn't hold back. His healing is found in his love. With his love is restoration. With his love is resurrection power. With his love is fullness of joy. And this is why I love to weed and water because it's not just about taking things out, it's putting things in. And it is what God does on the cross. He doesn't just remove our sins, he restores our soul. 
He gives us joy instead of mourning. He gives us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That crown of thorns, that became ash. What he's given you is a crown of beauty. This is not... This is not just for our girl, Hagar, the little slave girl. It is for our kids that he's struggling with, with fear. It is with those that have been afflicted and in pain. It is the cry of our father's heart over our town, over the people, our scripture for the year. Let us read it together. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to provide for them those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so that in, you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations. So the Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up. So before the pain, before the mistakes, we have a God that wants to rain down His blessing, His provision, His mercy. There's things that only come from heaven above that don't come from earth below. So if you've made mistakes, it will be all right. If you feel like you're not enough, it will be all right. If you feel alone, it will be all right. If you feel like you're too far gone, it will be all right. We have a God who has an open heaven, who rejoices over you, who wants to pour out your bless, His blessing and favour upon you. Thanks, uh, Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.